0: Hello City Hope. All the ladies look nice. It's good to see you on Mother's Day. And guys, can we welcome and give thanks to all the ladies in the house, all the campuses. Come on guys. Moms, we hope you have a blessed day and uh, for those of you maybe that your moms have already uh, gone on to be with the Lord may you enjoy the memories and just remember she's waiting on you so uh, we just it's a special day a special time to be here and and if you're new uh, here and you've been here you know just a few weeks you probably notice I'm wearing a tie uh, I'm wearing a tie just so you know I've been in ministry for almost 40 years in 20 years I was in bondage where we had to wear a suit and a tie every weekend I have been set free <laughs> so It's not that I have to, now I get to. And so, really, I'm not wearing this for you. I'm wearing this for my mom. My mom's sitting over here because I know she'll come and give me a compliment. (laughs) And, guys, if you haven't received a compliment from your mother lately on how good you look, maybe you need to get the ties out. Because it works. I don't don't know why, but it works. But, anyway. Hope you ladies have a wonderful weekend. And let me tell you this, uh, in the the last week, we celebrated uh, our 19th anniversary as a church. So we had our birthday last week, City Hope. (laughs) A couple things I wanna share with you very quickly before I get into the message. Uh, It's amazing that school is almost out, graduations are taking place. And that means that summer camps are right around the corner in June we have youth our teen camps and we have kids camps and uh, parents I want you to get your kids there it's almost as good as sending them on a mission trip at least they're out of the house and we have so many wonderful stories of changes that take place there in the lives of, of the kids with Christ and then the youth and so I encourage you to sign up before it's too late and also if you're like us maybe your kids are out We sponsor kids every year. We typically sponsor one child and one teenager, so I encourage you to do that. If your kids are out, uh, do that, because we will have a few that'll that'll say, listen, we wanna go, but parents don't have the funds, so let's be that support for them. And one other thing I wanna say thank you for, two weeks ago I mentioned to you that uh, we had the opportunity to start another uh, campus in a correctional facility, and I told you that to do that's a $15,000 expense and within the next seven or eight days that came in and I wanna say thank you for giving and we'll start that campus in July. So we'll keep you up to date, but we are submitting everything to the state now, should be able to open there in July. So thank you so much for your generosity. Well, in this series talking about grace, uh, we're trying to answer this question. Is it too good to be true and in this teaching on grace i'm i'm always approached with the question uh, after we get into grace like okay well what about the law what's the purpose of the law do we just ignore the scriptures on the law i mean for us that are new covenant believers now do we pay attention to the law now well jesus answers that question and we'll get into that in a moment but i want to tell you why i believe that God gave the Jewish people the law. If you've ever read the book of Deuteronomy or the book of Leviticus, you know there is no way you can do all those things. I mean, even right now, you know that if you're wearing polyester clothing, you you could wear uh, natural fibers, but you couldn't mix the fibers. So if you're wearing a blend of fibers, you're, you're breaking the law. You can't eat anything with a split hoof, which by the way, in the deep south, that law would never work can I get an amen on that? I mean, come on, you don't, you don't amen me much, but there. So, so why did God give us, give the Jewish people 613 laws? So here, here's the first reason, to frustrate people, to cause them to say, I can't do this. I need help. I need a savior. I need a redeemer. The Jewish people had already made up their minds that they were good enough, and they they were good enough, so God's okay with them. But the fact is, they were never good enough, and we're never good enough. Second reason is the law was meant to keep the Jewish customs pure. As God's ideal to have a chosen group of people. He wanted to protect their culture, their beliefs, their worship in God. He instituted the law. For instance, a man could not marry a woman from a foreign country because they would bring in their foreign gods of idolatry, and he wanted to keep the customs and the worship pure so that people would be able to say and testify of God's faithfulness. And thirdly, you may not realize this, the reason God gave the law is so that we would actually have good health and live long lives. Anybody want to live a long life? 22 of you. <laughs> if you read the dietary laws, it's still a good idea to follow them uh, because God wants his people healthy and strong. It says in Deuteronomy 6:24, the Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always, always prosper and, keep and be kept alive as in the case today. Long life. So it is a good idea to follow all the dietary restrictions of the law, but I'm going to be honest and transparent with you. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm under grace. So I am going to have a pork chop every now and then, and ribs will come near my dwelling. I'm just saying. So by the time Jesus arrives on the earth, and you know, the, the, the law has been in place for several thousand years, and there's 613 original laws. The Pharisees come along and say, "Well, that's not good enough." So they actually came up with 300 more, and they were adamant that people had to follow all 913 laws. That's legalism. Adding to what God says is legalism. Doing what God says is obedience. Adding your own set of requirements is to what God said is legalism. In fact, misinterpreting what God said is legalism. So there's the battle all of us have faced that either being a people of grace or a people of legalism. And one of the major things that turns people off in our world is when we become legalistic. It's a turnoff. So let's just do what the Bible says, quit adding things to the Bible. That's exactly what the Pharisees were doing, adding additional rules. So Jesus comes on the scene, and he begins to tell them about his death and resurrection, and that he would pay the penalty of sin, and they could get to heaven by believing in him, and that he was the only way to heaven. And most people, the common people, when they heard this, because they were living under this oppressive law, they went, wow, thank God. We don't have to follow the regulations of the law. And that's true for salvation. The law cannot save you. But there's a purpose for the law even today. And Jesus addresses this issue in the Sermon on the Mount. And a lot of people think, well, this was his first sermon. It wasn't. This was in his third year of ministry, so they've heard him teach a lot. But this time, he's going to touch something that's very sensitive. And in Matthew 5:17, he said, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. So who's taking personal responsibility to fulfill the law? Jesus. He didn't say, I've come so that you can fulfill them. He said, I've come to fulfill the law. Now follow this next storyline of what he says in verse 18. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, can you imagine the people hearing this when he, when he, when he says this? Because he, here's what they would have said if they could have had a common conversation. They would have said, all, all right, Lord, l- l- let me get it straight. Now, now they, they, they missed the whole, the first sentence that he said. We'll come back to it. Lord, you're, you're saying that we have to follow the 613 laws and we have to follow the 300 additional laws because you said our righteousness has to surpass that of a Pharisee and the teacher of the law. And Jesus would have responded back and said, well, that's right, but you, must, you missed the first sentence. The first sentence is I came to fulfill them for you therefore you're not under the demands of the law but there's still a purpose for the law so in this message I want to show you what I think are three purposes for the law here's the first one the law is a master in Galatians 3 verse 23 there's two words I want you to see the scripture says but before faith came we were kept under guard by the law kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, you're no longer under a tutor. The phrase under guard is a phrase that means custodial direction. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a modern-day look at it. Today, if, if a child's left without parents, in our governmental system, the courts appoint a custodian for that child they help that child grow up and become an adult they have the rights of the parents but they're appointed by the courts this is exactly what the law does for those who are unbelievers if you're not a believer but you're seeking and you're looking and trying to find meaning and truth and purpose let me tell you what the law is doing for you right now the law is holding you and keeping you until you find christ the law though is a constant reminder to every unbeliever that you can't measure up by your own good works that's why christ came died for by with his death and believing in him you can fulfill the requirements of the law for you so you have two choices one choice is you can keep trying to obey the law do enough good things you know and, and even if Doing that is not going to qualify you for heaven. You can do all 913 laws and it's not going to get you into heaven. Our second option is you can accept grace and believe in Jesus Christ, who is the only way to heaven. So the law, it's the master that keeps reminding us that you won't live up to the standards of God unless you believe in Christ. But in verse 24, one of the words I wanted you to look at is the word tutor. Therefore, the law was a, our tutor, which means a schoolmaster. It, it was the tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith, when you receive Christ, we, we, we no longer come under a tutor. Because you became a believer, Christ, you, in Christ, the schoolmaster that, that you had before, you, you don't need. The schoolmaster before you was mean. The law keeps telling you things like you're not good enough, you'll never measure up, you can never do enough good things to make God happy. So the law is like a mean schoolmaster. Did you ever have a schoolteacher like that? Oh, I, I did. In the eighth grade, she taught history. And she had taught it forever. She was an old maid. I, I now know why she was an old maid looking back, I know now. And you will too after I finish this. Uh, soon after our class passed through, she finally retired. Our class was right before PE. We had all these classes all day long, and we're ready to go outside and have fun, and, and, and so we, we didn't have a gym. Uh, it was dark ages, okay? So, number one, she was mean, and we couldn't keep quiet, because we were ready to go to P.E., and it's history right before P.E. She was an old maid. She was about four foot six, and she was always mad about something. And when she would catch the boys talking, she would get her little paddleball paddle that didn't have the ball and the string on it. She'd come hold you by the wrist and wear your hand out. Blood red. She was mean. The second time she caught you talking, she, sh- she sent you outside the door to stand in the hallway. Now, this is old school. You young bucks, you don't have to deal with this. So you go stand outside the door and, 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 and during those days the principal would walk the halls during classes to find students outside the door. <laughs> and when he saw you there, there was a quick trial and quick sentence in his mind. And the next thing you heard was, go to the office. When you walked in the office, there was no cordial, have a seat, sit down. All you heard was, grab your ankles the next thing you felt and heard was pow 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 yep you got three licks with a homemade paddle about three foot long edges are sanded off about a hundred holes are drilled in it so that when you get home you still got little red dots on your rear end to remind you (laughs) And then you had to go back to your class of all your classmates tears in your eyes and everybody knew what happened and for the next five minutes the teacher had your attention we hated that class we hated it that was my schoolmaster miss I I don't even want to say her name because chances are she's mean enough to still be alive (laughs) and I don't need her knocking on my door or sending me an email the point that's what the law was meant to do to frustrate you to put restrictions on you to tell you what you you've got to do I'm your master now and that's what you have to do if you want God's approval see when you become a believer in Christ you change classes when you change classes you change teachers listen when the bell rang we could not wait to get outside as fast as we could and that's what the bible was saying in verse 25 after faith has come no longer a tutor or a master now christ is going to teach you and so this the new teacher was kind of like my coach my pe coach in the eighth grade because he would encourage you you can do it come on you fall you fail you come on get up you can do it again you can do it again it's like god is saying listen i've got the grace i've paid the price after you fall keep on get up you can do it come on you can do it you can choose to stay under the teacher of the law the master or you can believe, become a believer in Christ and get a new teacher with grace and love and mercy. I chose grace and love and mercy. Here's the second thing. The law is a map. Even as evangelical Christians, I believe we ignore a vast amount of Scripture that's designed to show us where to go and what to do. I, I know that because we listen to everybody else that tells us where to go and what to do. I believe the scripture is very clear on how to make a decision so since we're all family all the campuses and everybody we're family I want to ask you a few personal questions how many of you have made a bad decision in the last 12 months that's better than the last group I gave you enough time because some of you are self-righteous so I put 12 months there surely in 12 months let me ask this question, how many of you would like to know how not to make that same decision again? How many would like to know how to make every decision in life correctly? Listen, if you want to know how to make financial, parenting, marriage, business decisions, the Bible paints a clear picture on how to make decisions. And most, a lot of those scriptures are found in what we call the law. The law is in the first five books of the Bible. And many of the scriptures that point us, that they point us in the right direction. And they're in the law the law is a map so listen to what the psalmist said about the law psalms 119 verse 97 oh how i love your law i meditate on it i muse on it i chew on it i think on it all day long verse 98 your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies now how many of you would like to be smarter than your enemies well let let me say it politely how many of you like to be smarter than people that oppose you some of you don't care if I have someone opposing me according to this scripture the law makes me smarter than the one who's opposing me in real life now we know our real enemy is is, it's not people but the fact is we do have people that oppose us you do and you always will verse 99 the psalmist said but I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statues so here's what that says you can be a know-it-all according to the Bible and somebody's sitting there thinking I know that (laughs) that's not new I know it all ask me verse 100 I have more understanding than the elders for I obey your precepts so notice the words that are taking place of the word law statute precepts testimony judgments verse 101 I have kept my feet from every path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. How many of you know there are right choices and wrong choices? There's nothing in between. It's right and wrong. Now, understand, you don't have multiple opportunities in the right path. There's one right path. There's a lot of wrong paths. And God says you can know the right path and keep your feet from evil and keep from falling. Well, how does that work? The next verse, 105, says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Listen, parents, you already know this, but you, you only have a few more years or a few more months with your kids before they're grown. In other words, let me say it this way. You, how many years do you have to be their primary influence? Because at some point, they're going to choose and make their own decisions without mom and dad helping them. This is a verse for you to know and to read over and over. This is a verse to pray over them, to speak over them, because you want them to catch the passion for God's word like mom and dad are to have for God's word. Because listen, moms and dads make bad decisions. But every time a believer, we we read God's word and we are including the law and getting direction, somehow, even though we make a bad decision because we're not perfect, God shines a light on us and we tend to take the right steps to get back on the path. So I want the word to be a light for your path and a lamp for your feet. So let me illustrate it this way Have you ever walked through the woods at night with no light? So just imagine, if you will, A parent they're not here in this room or any of our campuses they're some other church imagine a parent with a poor sense of direction and a cheap flashlight I know there's none of those here and this parent with a poor sense of direction and a cheap flashlight has gone walking through the woods at night and you're the kids and you're walking behind the parent who has a poor sense of direction and a cheap flashlight. And as you walk through the woods, you start off, the child is really close, basically holding on to your coattail. But kids learn. They're quick to learn. Because when you're walking through the woods and you're following your parent with a poor sense of direction and a non-working flashlight, and they go around an obstacle and pull a limb, and then they let it go for an adult it hits you across the waist for a kid it's gonna slap you in the face so the kids with parents that have a poor sense of direction and a cheap flashlight automatically learn to keep themselves 6 8 10 feet behind the parent in the darkness of the woods it's difficult walking in the dark without any light and just another little side note guys Never walk across your kid's room at night without a light and barefooted. (laughs) Legos hurt. Walking in the dark is not as good as turning on the light. This is what God's saying to us about his sustaining grace. We think it's just on the front side of salvation. There is sustaining grace. To find it, you have to turn on the light. If you ignore God's law, it's like living your life in the dark and you're feeling your way through life and expecting to accidentally end up in the right place. And then you expect that for your children. He's saying, read my word, meditate on my word, my laws. Suddenly the light will come on. And listen, it's not a cheap light. It's a light so strong that it will will light the path. The path will be apparent to you if you ignore the word and you ignored what he's talking about then you're going to stumble your way through life it's like walking through the woods with a poor sense of direction and a cheap flashlight that keeps going out yeah you're going to end up somewhere but it's going to be a painful journey and the enemy of your soul plays for keeps and he has placed carefully traps and snares on your journey in hopes of you walking in the dark, hoping you'll fall in the dark and ignore God's word and God's law. It's like some of you come to church on a regular basis, and some of you come monthly or every other week or whatever it is. And sometimes you come to, just to get a little direction and maybe recharge your cheap flashlight, and then you head back out into the woods, and when that cheap flashlight isn't working, well, I made again to slip back into church a minute. Listen, it may start here. But it's a daily experience with living that you have with the living God that illuminates, illuminates the path that you are to walk on so that your children are following you. But that's up to you, mom and dad. One of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor more than anything is, is when you meet with someone who's fallen into those traps. They've been using a cheap flashlight. You know what I call it? Cheap grace. That's how they look at grace, it's cheap. It means I can do anything I want to do and however I want to do it. That's not what grace means. Grace didn't cost you anything. But God's telling you, if you want to get through this life and be successful, do what I'm calling you to do, you need to follow my word. Because in a cheap grace, you you can excuse your way out of everything because you want to pull the grace card, but God loves me. He does love you. But he wants you to live this life and not live it in a ravine or fall off a side of a mountain. He wants you to live it and have the purpose he's called you to. And so when we get to the place that we're ignoring God's word, it's like walking through the woods in darkness with a light that's gone out. And as pastors, we help pull people out of the trap, hoping they'll turn on the light, seek his face, meditate on his word so you can see clearly. And those who don't eventually keep going through the woods of life with no sense of direction and no light, so you end up going the wrong direction and you end up falling off or getting lost or getting stuck. Listen, I grew up in a church that said anything that was fun was sin. (laughs) Playing cards, bowling, dancing were just like thievery, adultery, and murder. I can laugh about it now. There was no difference. If you were at the bowling alley, you might as well be killing somebody. Some of you grew up in the opposite environment where God was like a big benevolent grandfather and really didn't care about anything you did, so anything you did was fine with him. Both extremes are out of balance. But what I grew up in, the opposite environment, everything fun was sin, And anything that caused me to suffer or be in pain must be God. So we were encouraged to choose the suffering path. And then when I got older, I realized that God's Word didn't intend to drain all the joy of life and go through this suffering. He he intended to put the fun and the joy back into life. And listen, if you don't believe that, you fall into enough pits, you'll find out that's not fun. You'll come to your senses. You, you fall into the pit of the enemy that is the most miserable place on the earth but if you walk in God's will and light on the path your life is to be the most full, fulfilled adventure that you can possibly imagine that is the good news of the gospel Well, in, in the original language I told you in the first message it means too good to be true the word gospel, too, too good to be, that's the new revelation that God wants you to have. Yes, it is grace to have joy and have an adventure and enjoy life, but also it is to ignore the pits. How do you ignore the pits? you gotta, you got to stay in the word. If you ignore the word, you're going to find the pits. You're, you're going to get stuck. And that's when I discovered sustaining grace, changed my life. So the law is the map to show you where to go. Thirdly, the law is a measure. And I want to end this by asking you a question, and many of you are going to answer the question the same way I normally answer the question. I had someone ask me a while back, Jerry, how are you doing? He didn't say, what are you doing? He said, how are you doing? And most of us, when we're asked that question, we say, well, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing this thing, and this good thing, that, that good thing, and we answer questions based totally on our performance, how we're behaving. That's not the question I'm asking you today. In fact, In just a couple minutes, I'm going to ask you to stop and ask the Lord yourself, Lord, how am I doing? Not on the outside. See, Listen, I've been a Christian a long time, and I know how to walk like a Christian, dress like a Christian, and talk like a Christian. In fact, I speak Christianese with the best. Actually, I'm bilingual. I speak English and Christianese. But that's not what God's asking you. He's asking how you doing on the inside how's your heart doing what's captured your heart is it you your world what are you thinking about is it you and your desires and your flesh what are your motives what motivates you to do what you're doing what's really causing you to behave the way you're behaving because behind every behavior there's a cause what how are you doing on the inside And this was the same battle Jesus was having with the Pharisees. Every time Jesus would ask the crowd, hey guys, how you doing? They would spout off and say, well, they're not following the law. They're not doing the right thing. And Jesus would, hey, wait, hold it, guys. Listen, I'm, I'm not talking about what you're doing. I'm talking about who you're becoming. Who are you becoming? I'm not talking about your behavior. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about the thoughts that motivate you. I'm talking about what are you resting in? Are you resting in me, in my peace? Are you resting, are you a worshiper of God? Or do you need to be prodded to worship? Is it natural? Is it natural to rest in the peace of God? Are you wide open doing your thing all over the board and you never have time to rest in the spirit of God and rest in the blessings of God? Are you meditating on the word of God? Are you just looking for a cheap flashlight and cheap grace to get out of everything so that you can do what you want to do when you want to do it? And you want to flash the green card of grace and say, Oh, I've got grace. Well, you do have grace. And you may end up in heaven, but on this journey, on this earth, it's going to be hard and miserable, and you're going to end up in the wrong place. And why? Because we ignore the word. We want something for nothing, we want something quick and instantaneous. And he gave us grace and it's too good to be true but he's saying listen you have to you you, you cannot you, you cannot just ignore my word because I'm, I'm, I'm not asking you about your behavior what you're doing I'm asking you about the inside of you and, and here's how Jesus illustrated this he, he actually said to the Pharisees hey listen you religious guys that can quote 613 laws you can quote the first five books of the Bible from memory how many of you can do that nobody you guys come along and you take a strainer and you pour your water through the strainer because there's a certain little small insect that would get in the water and you strain that insect out because you don't want to drink water that's defiled but then you pour it down your throat into a defiled body or temple. See, he's saying it's not about what you're doing, it's about how are you doing on the inside and I'm asking you that today. Why? Because the law is the measure, not you we want to measure ourselves. You're not the measure. The law is the measure. It's how we're doing. And here's what Matthew five twenty said. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. We just read that a minute ago. And people listening to that have remembered the first thing, didn't remember the first thing Jesus said. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law of the prophets. I came to fulfill them. So I believe that we should read the law. The law is a good measuring stick to see how we're doing. So, I know how you answered the question. Every, every one of you answered the question the same way I answered the question. You say, Well, I'm doing good here, and I'm doing good here, and I'm okay over there, and I'm not doing, I'm, I'm not doing real good here. I, I guarantee you there's not one person listening to me that can say, I, I'm doing great in every part of my life. There's not one thing I'm struggling with, there's not one weakness I can see. Well, I'll take that back. Somebody, some of you may be thinking that, and if you are, that's prideful. Honestly, we all look at ourselves, listen, and we say, I'm doing pretty good, pretty good here, pretty good there. We start measuring ourselves. You can't do it. You won't do it right. The Word is what you measure yourself with. And and, and listen, I, I do believe you should read the law to find out how you're doing. Because the question then is, is my behavior pleasing to God? And here's what you should say. You should say, Lord, I recognize in my life that I'm not doing so well in here and there and there. And, Lord, I've got two choices: I can try to be more disciplined, go to church more, and talk more Christianese, or I can confess and repent and receive Your grace. Nobody's past this but Jesus. All of us short are short on this. This is how we know grace was alive and well in the Old Testament, because if it were not, then not one person you read about in the Old Testament would be in heaven. It was by grace that everyone in heaven made it to heaven, because Christ. But before Christ and after Christ because of grace so here's what I want you to do I'm wrapping this up right now I want you to do this and this may be uncomfortable for you to do but I challenge you to do it I challenge you first just to close your eyes and bow your heads and I challenge you now to ask yourself this question inside, not out loud but inside Lord how am I doing Lord what's going on in my heart Lord, what about my motives? I'm asking you right now to use the law to evaluate how I'm doing. And when he shows you, then you can say, Lord, I'm sorry. Confess my sin. Thank you for forgiving me. I receive your grace. And that's what the law is for. It reminds me that I am a sinner or I have sin in my life that's affecting my behavior but it's grace that sets me free it's grace that sets you free and it's amazing it's unbelievable and God's offered it to us my challenge for you is to say and stay in the word of God so it can measure you, so that you can finish the course, you can see the light on the path and fulfill everything God has for you and your family. Lord, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to our hearts. None of us have it right, can be perfect. All of us at times have bad motives and bad thoughts and bad behavior. But Lord, when we go to your word and we allow your word to identify it and we have this teachable spirit and we repent, your grace comes back in and that's how your grace sustains me day in and day out and it sustains me to live this life in the fullness of the adventure that you've designed for me and my house. So I speak it today in love and in grace. In Jesus' name.